your weekly fix of Asian music. This is Asian Pop Nation. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to Asian Pop Nation, your home here on Sin for all the latest Asian music and pop culture related news and more. Since I mentioned about the music, it feels only right to talk through all the songs we just played, which both happen to be Japanese bands. First, we have Osical Melonpan with their song titled Utopia, which comes from their new EP Cubism. We then played the band Luby Sparks' newest track from the end of last month titled Don't Owe Me. So for this week's show, we have two very special moments we want to highlight, starting first with another birthday shoutout segment, this time for our team member JP. May truly is just the optimal birthday month here at APN, I guess. <laughs> we also have a super exciting interview in store with the multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, and just incredible artist overall, Luna Lee. Oh my god. We also have quite a large stack of news revolving around new movies, such as a review of the movie Bubble, a new comedy movie coming soon called Easter Sunday, and Honestly, just so much more unexpected movie news this week that we made an unofficial movies corner just for this episode. Of course, we have so much more discussions in between, from the new season of Bling Empire to SM Entertainment's Building Tremors, so make sure to listen in to our show and join not just myself, Leisha, but our APN team tonight of Senia, Tracy, Lee, JP, and Aaron. Let's bring ourselves back to some more new Asian music though before we dive into some really fantastic interviews and group discussions later. We shall first play this new Korean R&B track coming from female artists Moon Soo Jin and Giselle called Only You. Remember, you are listening to Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. Hello to all of our listeners, you are tuning into Asian Pop Nation. My name is Leisha and we just played a selection of new tracks, first coming from Moon Soon Jin and Giselle with their song called Only You. We then played another collaboration track, quite a big one if I do say so myself, from B.I. and Soulja Boy featuring The Vita with their latest song called BTBT. I just realized in this very moment that all of these trio of songs are collaboration tracks. I swear this wasn't planned or anything. Anyways, our final song comes from two Singaporean artists, Drew Chen and Calvert Tay, with their R&B track called Show Me. Now, we're about to have one of our APN team members give us a little bit of a show and tell of three songs they wanted to highlight in this special segment for their birthday coming up. So get your birthday candles, gifts, and wishes ready for our APN team member, JP's birthday. So right now, it is the year 2022. And the reason I mentioned that it's 2022 is because me... John Paul is turning 22 really soon. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for clapping, everyone. I'm so, so, Change. so happy. Yay. So um, actually, apparently my birthday this year is um, pretty special. So I was born on the May, May 22nd. So and I'm turning 22 this year, which means on the 2022 on May 22nd, I'm turning 22. So, you know, 
that's pretty sick. I'm pretty happy about that. So I'm gonna, wow. I'll, yeah, it's pretty great. I'm gonna clap to myself again for this <laughs> one. Uh, yeah, happy birthday to me. I'm turning 22. I'm getting old. My bones are creaking. You know, uh, you know. Uh, but you know, I'm still here, still happy, and here to uh, introduce some songs to you guys. So apparently, um, here on Asian Pop Nation, that's kind of what you have to do on your birthday. You have to introduce some interesting songs to push on to other people. So I'm gonna do that right now. All right. Anyway, let's get into it. So the songs. The first song I'd like to introduce. It's a strange little one. It's called Cattle Mutilation Strange UFO by a Japanese uh, post-rock band called My Dead Girlfriend. Um, so thank you for clapping, everyone. It's such, a, such an interesting, <laughs> interesting song. Um, so what's the story behind this song? The reason I put this song as the first song is because I think this was me discovering this song was the moment that my music taste got better. You know what I mean? So like before then, like I didn't really think much about music. Like my my consumption of music was very limited. Like at most, all I would listen to is like the soundtrack of the anime I last watched. Like that's that's pretty much all I did. I didn't really branch out that much. Um, but then I discovered this website called SoundCloud. It's like, oh, that's interesting. You know, all these weird songs here. And um, I remembered I was on a bus on the way home from a work experience. Uh, that I had to do in high school and uh, I was feeling like pretty down and dejected and lonely because you know that's what teenagers feel all the time like you know, that's that's what you do and then this song comes up and like as soon as it hits it's like damn this song like speaks to me man this this song is like super cool I like it where do I get more and so uh, that's where it started that's why this song made me who I am right now uh, I don't know if I'm happy about that but you know whatever you gotta be you gotta be grateful for it that's how it is so yeah that's the first song um unfortunately though i'm going to uh render this one song completely null because the rest of the songs i'm going to introduce are from anime <laughs> yeah that's how it'd be so okay. second song i'd like to introduce is actually a song that many people know it's called cruel angels thesis from the hit anime show neon genesis evangelion uh pretty good show um very infamous for being completely crazy um but the reason i put this uh song down from this particular show was because when i watched it it was uh there were a lot of coincidences so this show this was made in like the 90s right and it was set in the future in 2015 and the main characters were all like depressed 15 year olds right and so what in the year 2015 me a depressed 15 year old came across this show and watched it and really enjoyed it it was like really fun it's like damn this uh this show's pretty cool uh, where do i get more and that's why i'm here now <laughs> uh, i'd say also a pretty influential part of my life discovering the show it's like wow i didn't know uh stories could get this crazy and wild uh, but now i know and uh that's pretty cool very happy about that so that's evangelion but the last song I would like to introduce is a it's actually quite an interesting weird one it's called sail away and when i say sail i mean like you know boat sail s-a-i-l sail away from the film skycrawlers it's um it's a very old film it's made by pretty sure it was directed by the same guy that did ghost in the shell and the reason i put this song it's a smooth jazz song and literally i swear to god if you watch the movie 
you only ever hear this song like playing on the radio when the characters are like driving a car it's playing on the radio and i remember it i was watching it i was like damn what's that song in the radio that's so cool so i searched up and i found it pretty nice song um reason i put this song is because uh i thought it would be a good excuse to share a little something about myself in terms of my tastes in films for some reason i really like boring movies if you know what I mean. Leisha, you're laughing. Why are you laughing? Oh, yeah. This is this is the day I've been waiting for. <laughs> I have come at this guy for his like taste in film and like anime, and I've been waiting for this em- yeah, basically. emitting moment. Okay, no, no, seriously, Leisha, you gotta hear me out. So okay. when I say boring <laughs> movies, I mean like I really like movies where like nothing happens. And nothing happens. Yeah, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like, um, have you watched Chongqing Express? Yeah, no, Tracy's watched Chunking Express. Knows. Yeah, you know what I mean, Tracy? I really like Chunking Express. It's yeah, one of so the movies of all time. If you'd know if you see my little box, it's something. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, I agree with you. It's a really nice movie. But like, you know what I mean? It's like nothing big or exciting like actually happens. Like no one's like crying, going, oh, you know, oh, it's not dramatic. It's like, you know, they kind of just go through life and stuff happens. It's like, oh. Yeah, okay they're not tropey cool. i guess you just have yeah. to react to the events like on the face of them not because of your prior reaction to like movies with the same where the same events happen because the same uh, exact sequence of events don't happen in other movies because they're so mundane right yeah yeah it's like i don't know it happens to be so mundane but so like uh i don't know endearing at the same time there are a few other movies that i quite like that also fall under this sort of category like uh manchester by the sea i don't know if anyone here has watched that no no one okay well uh it's a good movie but it's also really boring like nothing actually happens and uh if xenia was here she would tell me off for saying that i like uh this one ghibli movie called sound of the ocean and that too is that have you watched it aaron sound of the ocean is that the one directed by uh is that directed by miyazaki's son i think isn't it no not his son but it was directed by someone else like some younger animators sound by what, what was it called again I, sound of the ocean or like sound of the waves or also, just ocean, ocean waves. waves yeah ocean waves yeah have you watched it lee i have not have but not? i watched someone explain it really like, cool did it yeah. make you want to watch it no okay well i'll tell you now it's probably not worth watching it's like it's so boring ocean literally wave. nothing happens it's just high school kids like you know doing random stuff it's like oh I need to fly to Tokyo and then they fly to Tokyo and then it's like oh this happens and that happens it's like why am I watching this but for some reason I just really love it those yeah, are it my three songs where the oh it's on Netflix yeah it is damn dude okay and then you can watch it and see what JPCs maybe yeah exactly my hypothesis is that your default is like messed up animes about messed up <laughs> people and things so when you watch a nice slice of life anime or movie you know, maybe sometimes you watch movies that aren't animated. You go, oh, wow, that's so, like, relaxing and soothing and kind of seems similar to my everyday life. And, like, it just hits you right in the feels because right. you're, you're not used to that sort of nourishment, you know? Yeah, you used to yeah. things. Yeah, so. I see what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. And, and I'd say, I don't know, those sorts of movies, they're a little more unstructured, too. You know what I mean? Like, on most movies, there's always, like, there's a very clear beginning, there's a very clear middle, and there's a very clear end. Right. And, you know, that's good. No, that's nice. But I don't know. I think uh, sometimes you just want something to put on in the background. And every now and then you look at it and you go, whoa, that's like pretty cool. And like you can rewatch these movies over and over again. And, you know, it'll still be great, you know. Do you know the director Yazu, Yazujiro Ozu? Yazujiro Ozu. No, I don't. The name rings a bell. Will I like him? 
Yeah, I think like all his stuff is in the genre that you described. Basically. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And ah. it's all like really beautifully like shot like photo. Every frame is like a photograph. Really? And nothing happens in any of the movies. It's just people going to work. They go, oh, I'm depressed. They come home. They drink. Their kids oh. are like, can we buy a TV? They're like, no, we can't oh. buy a TV. And they go to work. They drink. You know, it's like just nothing happens in them at all. They're very, very Japanese. But they're really, really. I really enjoy watching his movies yeah. when I'm in the right mood. I can't believe I'm getting excited over this director. I think I'm going to check him out. Yeah. Thank you for that, Tracy. But yeah, yeah. Thank you for the birthday recommendation. Um, but yeah, those, yeah, that's it. So those were the three songs, Cattle Mutilation, Strange UFO by My Dead Girlfriend. You have a Cruel Angels thesis, the opening song of Neon Genesis Evangelion and Sail Away from the film Skycrawlers. Uh, that's it. Happy birthday to me. Thanks for listening. Uh, go to Netflix and watch Ocean Waves. It's like nice. It's comfy. Hey, happy hey. birthday! I feel like we know you so much better now, JP. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> no, we don't. It's a lie. <laughs> hello, hello, everyone. You are tuning into Asian Pop Nation. If you're just listening to our show right now, we were just playing a trio of songs, which were selected by our APNT member JP. In celebration of his birthday coming very soon. If you want to hear the stories behind these song picks, plus so much more content like our interview coming soon as well, wink wink, you can tune in to our Asian Foundation podcast available anywhere and everywhere you stream your podcasts. Let's first go through the songs we played earlier, starting with the song titled Cattle Mutilation, Strange UFO by My Dead Girlfriend. We also played Cruel Angel's Thesis by Yoko Takahashi, coming from the Neon Genesis Evangelion anime. And lastly, for JP's pick, we had the song titled Sail Away, with music done by Kenji Kawai from the 2008 film The Skycrawlers. Now, this is kind of a big moment for one of our other APNT members, Lee and myself, as we both got introduced to this artist way back during the lockdown era with her videos online where she was playing these really beautiful instrumentals, plus her song Afterglow going viral as well. And now in 2022, it just feels like a full circle moment since we have the absolute honor to interview Korean-Canadian Toronto-based artist Una Lee. She recently released her debut album Duality, plus has been going on tours throughout the past couple of months. So without delaying any further, put your hands together for the one and only Luna Lee. Our dear listeners, you are listening to Leisha here, as well as Lee, of course, right here, right now on Asian Pop Nation. We're kind of super honored and also kind of freaking out internally to be interviewing this very special artist that both Lee and myself love. Coming all the way from Canada, we have the incredibly talented artist herself, Luna Lee, aka Luna. Oh my God. <laughs> Hi. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh my god, no, it is our honor to have you here. Thank you so much for coming to Asian Puppet Nation. This is kind of a bit of a shock moment for the two of us, <laughs> but oh my god, for our listeners tuning in right now, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I am Luna Lee. I'm from Canada, as you mentioned, Toronto, and I am a songwriter, artist, producer, multi-instrumentalist, um, and I make music. Nice. 
Um, so you've recently, in March, dropped your long-awaited debut album called Duality, and we just wanted to know about your thought process behind creating this album and sort of what it means to you personally. So Duality was a big undertaking for me. It took me four years to create, which was a very long time, and um, I kind of set out to just make like this cool underground indie record that was just going to come out, you know, maybe like sell some records in Toronto and then the pandemic hit and we had to push back the release and things started kind of taking off a little bit for me online and it just grew and grew and then I decided to kind of keep evolving the album until it got to a point that I was really happy with um, and then we finally ended up releasing it last month or two months ago in March um, and I called it duality because it refers to my identity as being Korean Canadian and it also refers to my musical background um having to kind of blend my classical background with uh like rock and pop and r&b sounds that i was exploring it's been so incredible a very mind-blowing moment was being able to go into a record store in toronto and see it on the shelf it's in stores in north america which is a new experience for me and even just getting to hold it in my hand was really really cool um but yeah, there's been so much support for it. It was super, super exciting. It's always been one of my goals to be able to release a full-length album and kind of being at a point now where shows are possible and being able to tour it and have people sing the lyrics back to me in the audience is just so incredible. As Leisha said before, we both really love the Duality album. Um, so my favorite song is Alone But Not Lonely. And Leisha, what about you? Yeah, my favorite is Magic. It's a little bit further down on the Ooh, list, but, <laughs> but nice. Yeah. Um, but we were also curious about your opinion as the artist herself. So, in a hypothetical situation where you could only pick one song from this EP as your top favorite, which one would it be and why? Oh my god, that's such a hard question. Especially yeah. because I'm a Libra and I'm so indecisive. I can literally oh, never choose. Yeah, lose, <laughs> oh my god, Libra queens. Um. <laughs> I I would say like definitely Afterglow has a soft spot in my heart just because it was one of the first songs that I released and I always feel happy with it when I go back and listen to it. There's like nothing that I would change about it. So that's definitely one of my favorites. But another favorite is What You're Thinking because that was the last song that I added to the album before we released it. So it feels the freshest and I was kind of the most hands-on in the production of that one, which was really cool too. So that's my answer. I couldn't choose just one. <laughs> Of course, we wanted to talk about your duality tour that's happened across America and Canada last month. Also, you're still kind of doing shows at this very moment, too. So kind of yes. like how how are you feeling after like this whole experience, especially with like the tour and again, performing? Like we said earlier, having the chance to perform like now in like 2022. How's it all feeling for you? It's been so great. Um the first shows that we played coming out of the pandemic was a six-week tour with Japanese Breakfast last fall, oh which was so incredible. I'm a huge fan of Japanese Breakfast, and yes. getting that call was just like so... I can believe it. It was just a dream. Um, and so kind of being able to ha have that be our come out of the pandemic was really, really cool. Um, and then kind of continuing on and just playing more shows. We got to play some shows with Biba Doobie. We got to play our own headline shows and like all of these shows are happening with other Asian women that I really respect and look up to, um, which was really, really special. And like seeing the audience come and like seeing lots of young Asian people in the audience is like just makes my heart really happy. And I just like feel so reflected in the audience. Um, 
and that's really special. So that's been really cool. And then, yeah, playing my very first headline shows ever and like going to these cities where people are coming to see me is really crazy because like, you know, some of them are cities I've never even been to before. And it just blows my mind that there's people around the world listening to my music and who are willing to buy a ticket and come see our show. It's very cool. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, so since our radio show is based in Melbourne, Australia, I was wondering how you would describe the current Toronto indie music scene and where you think it's heading for the moment for pop artists like yourself. So the Toronto music scene is pretty incredible. There's a lot going on all the time. There's always shows every night. There's lots of different venues. Um, we definitely took a hit because of the pandemic. I'm sure like most music scenes around the world, a lot of DIY venues had to close. Bands kind of started taking breaks because they couldn't get together. Um, so that was definitely tough. Um, but we, you know, still connected online and I'm, you know, still supporting my community and connecting with my community online um over the pandemic and yeah we're sort of just coming out of it now which is crazy um and i'm just really really hoping that diy venues will be able to come back and flourish in this new era and um and continue growing and yeah just growing the scene there's so many different pockets of the toronto music scene too like there's definitely the rock scene that i came up in was like very um like i didn't really see myself represented as like an asian woman in that scene but I think that like it's definitely growing and I'm seeing a lot more of diverse artists and bands coming up. There's obviously the Toronto hip hop scene, which is huge. Um, and I'm hoping that the different genres can sort of start to blend a little bit more and mix together because I think right now they're, they're a little bit separate and I think it would be cool to see that come together. I've been through like your interviews and stuff before and you've openly talked before about having that shift in your career path from previously studying like violin at university and diverting away from the classical music pathway. So kind of like from your experience, what advice can you give to other aspiring like young people of color musicians? Yeah, I think like what really makes a difference and what made a difference for me was finding community and finding mm -hmm. others who look like me and do what I do and getting to connect with them and create stuff with them. That was really, really important. Um, especially when I was starting out, like I definitely made a point to support other women in the Toronto music scene and go to each other's shows and collaborate and find like women and women of color to collaborate with for videos and photo and like all those other aspects. There's so many creative things that you can do as an artist. Um, there's really no limits. And so I always like wanted to make a point of collaborating with other women of color um so i think that's it's really really cool what like a community can do together and like getting involved with 88 rising too was really huge for me and um that was like a big step for me and like feeling lots of pride about my korean heritage and getting more connected with it and i started learning the language a little bit and so yeah i think just connecting with others like whether it be online if you know there's maybe not too many people around you who are doing what you do um or in person just wanted to ask, because your real name is Hannah Kim, how did you come up with the name Luna Lee? So I was, um, I had this other band before I started Luna Lee, and I was using a lot of nature and moon imagery. Um, I always feel, felt really connected to nature, probably because of my mom. She loves spending time outdoors and always like had such a big appreciation for nature. And growing up around that, kind of, I, I picked that up as well. Um, and I feel like the moon is such a, like, beautiful and powerful 
thing that also has kind of a feminine energy to me. Um, and so I guess the name Luna kind of came from that. And then Luna Lee just felt like a cool sort of character alter ego that I could step into for performing in shows. And it was important to me to have like a separate name from my personal name because it felt like more curated, more exciting, and also just a little healthier in terms of like having some distance and uh, a bit of space between my like public persona and my personal self. Yeah, wow. Okay, that's so interesting kind of hearing like that whole like mini like origin story moment if I yeah. say that, that. That sounded very like superhero-esque. But <laughs> 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 be a, um, our superhero here. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, I guess what are some future plans you might have along the way? What's next for Luna Lee, if you will? <laughs> So I'm getting a lot of touring done this year. Um, I have my first ever like big Canada tour with Charlotte Day Wilson in June, which is exciting. Um, I have some, I'm planning some fall dates as well. So I think I'll be in and out of the city a lot, which is fun. I love to travel. And I am writing lots of new music this year too, starting to work on the next thing. I'm keeping it very open and um, I'm just excited to see where it takes me. Oh my god, it's super exciting and not, yeah. to, not to sound like two fans here, but we're just like, please come here one day. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would love to. That's a dream of mine for sure. Where can our listeners find you? So feel free to share your social media, website, and streaming details. Cool, yeah. Um, I'm all over social media. My Instagram handle is lunally, 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 three times. <laughs> um, I have a merch store, lunally.ca. Um, and yeah, just everywhere on the internet. My album is out everywhere. You can order it on vinyl, which is so exciting. My first vinyl ever. Um, or just stream it. Um, and it's out on CD and tape too. Yeah, oh my god, yes. I saw the blue, like the little blue vinyl. Oh, yeah, so me too. Cool. I really it's, want one. I know, me too. I'm obsessed, ah. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the blue vinyl. It's mm-hmm. so pretty. Um, I had like a stack of like the normal ones um like the, just the black vinyl and i just moved and then i put the blue vinyl ones the blue vinyl one that i had i just got one of those ones in the yeah. stack and now i'm like i don't know which one it is so i'm gonna have to like <laughs> go and dig and figure out which one oh um but i am in the throes of moving right now so it's a little bit chaotic in oh my, my apartment good <laughs> luck rooting for you thank <laughs> you <laughs> but yeah again thank you so much for joining us here at asian pop nation and again not just me and Leah rooting for you in your moving house days, but we are also <laughs> incredibly rooting for you as an artist. And we think you're going to go through, like, you're going to be big, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. What a fantastic trio of tracks we just played, which all come from female Asian artists across the globe. Of course, we always must have women supporting women. Let's first talk to the first song we played titled What You're Thinking from the Duality EP coming from Luna Lee who, if you're just tuning in now, we had the absolute pleasure of interviewing earlier in the show. Check out our podcast to listen back to the interview, by the way. Wink, wink. We also played the song titled Minatoni Fune from Haruko Oishi, which comes from her latest LP titled Maiko, which one of our team members notes as quite a beautiful, haunting album. We also have the latest single coming from Thai female artist Namcha called Ladybug. And just like how ladybugs can just fly around in the air, our next topic tonight is all about this new anime movie to make its presence this year with the title of Something Which Floats Around in the Air Instead. We're talking about Bubble, the anime movie. 
let's just go to the anime pros themselves, JP and Aaron, as they give their review and thoughts of this 2022 film, Bubble, produced by WID Studios. Hey, JP, can I ask you a question? Yeah, man, go for it. Do you used to play with bubbles when you were a kid? Of course, man. Like, you know, with the little plastic bubble guns. Yeah. Yeah, those, yeah. Well, have you ever wished you wanted to do parkour with the bubbles? Yeah. Well, we got that wish came true for you as on April 28th, Netflix just released this movie called Bubble, which is from directed by Tetsuo Araki and written by Jenru Bucci and, of course, animated by Wiz Studios. Damn, hey, I think I watched that. Yes. Yeah. I'm just going to say this movie is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, what did you think about the movie so far anyway? Oh, I liked it. I liked it. It was a nice, um, pleasant story. It wasn't, it's not like a big masterpiece. No. It's, it's not definitely. like, like this will be forgotten in 10 years, I think. But it's not bad. It's pretty good. Yeah. Animation, it's very nice. We had a lot of big names on uh, this production. Tessa Araki, the director for this movie. Mm-hmm. You might yeah. Have, I mean, it's the first three seasons of Attack on Titan, and especially Death Note from 2007, if I correctly, if not 2006. Yeah, pretty big name. I'm pretty sure the character designer was also the artist of Death Note, pretty like the manga true. itself. Yeah, character designer was Tashishi Obata. Yes, yes, that's his name. Composer Hiroki Sawano. And I think with Tessaraki, you get Sawano involved. Wow, they're yeah. a duo. Yeah, but the thing is, I want to talk about is the written team for this one. When the trailer came out, it just is Jin Rubuji. If you don't know him, he's the guy who did Madoka and Fate Zero in mm-hmm. the past. Yeah, the two Rise of Revolt, Nagato Sato and Renji Oki. Mm-hmm. Nagato Sato was the person who written Gravity Rush series. You don't know what Gravity Rush is, do you? Yeah, I don't I don't know what Gravity Rush is. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, they've written both games for Gravity Rush. Oh. Huh. Both one and two. Wait, that explains all the floating and parkour. Jesus. Yeah, pretty much it. <laughs> Actually, Aaron, there's something I'm really interested in about this movie, though. This movie was based off the story of The Little Mermaid. Especially yeah. the original one. Yeah, Hans Christian Anderson. I'm pretty sure, as everyone knows, the original story is very, very different to mm-hmm. the Disney one. So when it comes to Bubble, here's what actually happens. The main character, Hibiki, at one point of the story, tries to climb the Tokyo Tower, right? Mm. Like, just, you know, bare hands, because he's crazy. Because you see, yeah, right at the center of Tokyo Tower, there's this weird, like, cosmic fog. And according to the story, that's basically, that's the center of all the trouble. Like, that's where all the bad stuff is coming yeah. from. And uh, one of his main goals throughout the story is to just climb up there and see what's going on. Unfortunately, he falls from the Tokyo Tower into the ocean, and he nearly drowns, right? Mm-hmm. But then this bubble comes along, right? And it's almost sentient. And then what actually happens in the bubble? Like it does the thing like cell replication or like cell splitting, like it splits in half and then into quarters. And then it keeps on multiplying until it becomes like this human being. And so the girl that gets produced from this, her name is Uta. Mm -hmm. So she is basically the little mermaid in this movie. And much of, I guess, the emotional core of this story is about his relationship with Uta and her kind of just learning, oh, what's this human world all about? You know, like she can't talk. She has to learn how to speak from people. It's like, oh, it's really cute. Yeah, I don't know. Aaron, what do you think about this story's actual like attempt at reflecting the Little Mermaid story? Do you think it worked? 
Not really, no, to be frankly honest. I don't think so. Yeah, it shoves it down your throat, man. It's like, oh, it's like you know, he's reading her a little book. Oh, this story is about a little mermaid, you know? Yeah, and especially yeah. like it's basically he's forcing like Hibiki as the prince. And even Utah says, like, you're the prince. Oh, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it works well as the little mermaid storyline for this movie. If you think more about it, it just doesn't work. I don't know. I don't know what's the right way of saying it. Well, I can I can give a little opinion on why I think it might not have worked. Maybe you could like I don't know, extrapolate on a little. I think the reason the whole Little Mermaid thing doesn't work as well with this film is because Uta was not the main character. What, Hibiki is? Yeah, Hibiki, like the prince, right? Like, imagine the Little Mermaid, you know, like Disney, right? And then you just write it from the prince's perspective. Yeah. Like, what is there, nothing, what is there to happen there? Like, he's just a guy, like he drowns and, oh, there's this random girl and, you know, she does like weird stuff. I read up on the original Little Mermaid yeah. after watching this movie. And what I found was a very, very interesting moral tale. So in the original um, Little Mermaid, you had the general setting. You had the Little Mermaid. Uh, with all her mermaid sisters and mermaid country um, underwater. And uh, like usual, she comes up to the surface and she falls in love with this prince. And she goes, oh, man, I want to like go up to him and, you know, jig with him. I don't know. <laughs> Is that the term? Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, you know, like she just wants to, she wants to meet this prince, right? She's so curious about this outside world. And so she goes to Ursula, like the evil Octopus. water octopus thing and she's like i want to go to the surface and she gives away her voice and in return she gets legs to you know walk in the surface but the drawback was that whenever she walked it would always feel like she was walking on knives yeah yeah so it was like literal pain whenever she went to the surface but you know she did it for love when she goes up to the surface um she sees the prince and the prince drowns because the ship breaks or something Yeah, but when she saves the prince and brings him to the shore and watches over him, he wakes up to see a palace woman helping him. And so he thinks, oh, this other woman helped me, not the Little Mermaid. And the Little Mermaid, she's like, she's so sad. She's so heartbroken about this. And that's why she goes to Ursula to uh, go to the surface and get some legs, right? Unfortunately, the story doesn't go well for her. Because the prince actually ends up marrying the other girl. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty sad. Why did I explain the whole uh, original? Does any of this happen in the movie bubble? It follows all the steps of the original story. But in terms of like the actual emotional core or like the moral, like why this stuff happened, it doesn't really like, I don't know. Uh, It's probably like you said, Aaron, it just feels like a cool movie that followed the same steps. Yeah, it feels like it's a cool movie, but it feels like we're following, like what you mentioned earlier, it was following like different characters' perspective, but in, like, I think it's halfway through the movie, we've started to follow Uta's perspective of the movie as well. Yeah, yeah. It feels yeah, like that. It's like we're doing this, and now we're doing a 180, we're going to Utah. Yeah, yeah, just, that's it. It just feels weird for pacing wise. If, if that's the case, it should be worked as probably like a mini series. Now think about it, it could have worked as an eight episode mini series. I could have, but either way, um, bubble is bubble. You know that's how it'd be. I haven't got to the other part. I want to praise the Mars. Wait, oh, tell me then. We haven't got to the action scenes of now the animation. Oh yeah, they're good. Yeah, consider it's from Wizard. <laughs> they have like a high budget for this one, so yeah, it was really good. Actually, straight up, if you guys like parkour 
and like watching dudes do really cool flips and cool like you know you know jumping between teams and stuff going oh sick you should watch bubble like there are a lot of those scenes i'm pretty sure like half of it is just a bunch of guys running running flipping grabbing twist turning yeah the usual yeah you know it's like bop it it's pretty yeah. good yeah and the music composed by hitting someone or i had ice session for this one and it was a different track but it's kind of repetitive soundtrack wise really yeah you know like the ha 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 and all that stuff uh-huh uh-huh no it was like ha 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 like yeah that, that melody no yeah, actually there's... on the contrary i quite like that melody yeah it's it very nice. sounds yeah it sounds good but it's kind of repetitive and if you listen to the soundtrack by itself you can see it just like oh the same thing it's the same thing it's the same thing it's the same thing yeah no they should have kept doing it i really like that tune was it like a motif did it have symbolism yes yeah it, it does it's got story significance uh the main character uh, every time he's out parkouring he hears that song from the tower and he's like damn what is that song and that's why he climbs the tower all the time yeah and it's one segment in the movie you can see him utah and hibiki just like parkouring well singing dancing parkour in this massive area yeah it's like a musical bro like she's like she like starts singing the song and then they start parkouring together it's like yeah what would you rank the movie out of 10 um seven bubbles out of 10 bubbles nice movie you know i enjoyed it i i don't regret it i give it probably a six maybe six out of 10 bubbles yeah that's fair yeah animation is really in the 3d maneuvering scenes like it was probably the best thing that you studio have done oh yeah top notch soundtrack was okay i guess but the downside was the plot and especially the characters were just weak that's it Mm, i'll agree overall it's just okay movie that's it Mm. wasn't great it wasn't perfect but it was just okay senyo's playing with bubbles right now that's pretty great um legit yeah legit oh, look at her is. look at her yeah Splint bubbles <laughs> can you are you gonna include this part all right oh whatever this is asian pop nation sin's number one stop for all things asian pop culture related and more my name is leisha d captain for tonight and we were just playing some of our song requests sent by our listener matthew first being the song titled minigame by non-sweet we also then played the second song request coming from the Japanese group Satanic Punish with the song titled Alpha Omega. We then played the latest track from lead singer slash guitarist of the Korean band The Rose. We have Song with his song titled Phase Me, which does come from his new EP Moth, which was all released on the 13th of May. Something else which also came out on the 13th of May, which really... Only I myself was looking super forward to was the season two premiere of Netflix's reality show Bling Empire. Probably my favorite Asian American reality TV show I watched during lockdown in between House of Ho and the other one, which is not Asian American, but Singapore Social. Don't ask me how or why I know and watch through all these other shows, but we're not just going to be talking about Bling Empire Season 2, as I got the APN team to think about what type of reality shows they would be in, and also in a hypothetical world, what an APN reality TV show could look like. So let's just listen in right now. So, you know, here at Asian Pop Nation, we celebrate Asian rep, but... 
who are we if we do not celebrate Asian rep in trash reality TV? The rep we wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm confused. You can hear this virtual studio is so, so excited, just like I am (laughs) talking about reality TV shows. Um, Yes. Hi, it's Leisha, and I am your correspondent for all things trash reality TV. Um, Evidence A, during the pandemic, I watched like um, three um, Asian (laughs) trash reality TV shows that came out all around the time. One of it we're going to be talking about right now because they just came back with a season two. We're talking about Bling Empire. Yes, (laughs) a new trailer was released on the 30th of April announcing a season two of Netflix's reality TV show Bling Empire with the new season premiering on May 13th, which is actually the day that we're recording right now. And I did watch like one episode max, but anyways, for like a minor recap and for everyone else in the studio who doesn't really know what I'm talking about when I mention Bubbling Empire, the show, it's like an eight episode show. You're pretty much following the lives of very wealthy Asians and Asian American friends all living in Los Angeles. People just describe it as like, oh, the reality TV show of like crazy rich Asians. But yeah, like most, if not all reality TV shows, you're not necessarily watching it just for like the glitz and the glamour you're there for like the drama ah and the secrets between these group of friends ah yeah that's what we're in for at least I'm in it for all the drama and stuff because life is just life can be so mundane I just want to watch like a bunch of rich Asian people fight it out about like oh my god you got this Gucci bag I hate you you know yeah (laughs) does it make you wish you were one of them Leisha no, it's just, it's, okay, wait, I watch it for the sake of, like, it's like looking through a microscope, you know, of a world that what? I am not in. <laughs> oh, my it's God. Just, it's like a little, like, experiment. I'm just watching a world I have, like, no exposure to, and it's like, I, wow. I think of it more like a zoo. That, too. I guess it works, let me, as the expert of Blink Empire, let me give a rundown of what this, like, season two trailer pretty much show. So, but there's two new billionaire newcomers added to like the original season one cast. There's Doherty Wang. Apparently she was in like another reality TV show called Rich Kids in Beverly Hills. So, you know, we're going to get the content. <laughs> and also there's Mimi Morris. And um, now the rest of the stuff I'm going to talk about will make zero sense for people who don't watch the show. But for people who have watched it prior, this is like, <gasps> oh, my God, moments. <laughs> but yes. There's continuations of like relationship arcs back in season one with the romantic progression of Kevin and Kim's relationship. There's also Cherie and Jesse who uh, um, their entire arc for like season one was just Cherie really wanting Jesse to propose to her because they already have kids, but they're not married yet. And then she brings it on herself to like at the last episode when they're just at a random party Pula will you marry me Jesse and Jesse says the most like the most reluctant and awkward yes I've ever seen in my life but yeah love that for them they're getting married but season two kind of shows that there's going to be like an obstacle course apparently Jesse has a family prior to being together with Cherie but they're implying that he's still quote-unquote married perhaps to this other family it's weird anyways welcome to crazy rich asian people in real life but yes trailer also shows like kelly she's now single thank god from her like partner back in season one andrew we don't talk about that relationship it like aged me for the whole time i was watching it anyways but yes 
there's a small rivalry all the new money between Anna and Christine Anna's best character I don't need to say more and apparently a friendship breakup between Kane and Kevin at one point I literally cry I don't care <laughs> so a lot of drama a lot of like relationships that have been established back in season one they're going all over the place as reality tv shows do um Again, as I mentioned this before, I am the only one who has seen season one and probably will remain the only one who will see season two and just any other trash reality TV show that will exist under the sun. So I guess for a group conversation purpose, I just wanted to ask, hmm, what would our own reality show be? You know, if Asian what, like with us? Yeah, if Asian Foundation, if we had a reality TV show, like some of you guys if, even if you don't watch it reality shows in general you know that there's like common arcs you know right, yeah. there's the one that's always causing the drama there's like the ones that get no screen tags they're good people so in reality tv show terms that means they're boring and don't add anything to the drama uh-huh. there's a lot of archetypes and stuff like that what what would an asian palm nation reality tv show look like what do you think Oh man, I think on my end, I would be, um, I don't think I'd get much screen time. I don't do much. <gasps> you and me both. You and me yeah. both. Yeah. No, but like you guys add like, you guys add the perspective of like, okay, if we were, let's say we were an Asian Pop Nation reality TV show, maybe we were like Love Island or Big Brother where we all live in like one house. <laughs> oh you, no, no, you, no, no, no. You no, two no, no, would no. be the only like, oh no, plus like Ethan, but we're only we're only talking to the main speaking team of today. I think Xenia <laughs> would be in the background of every shot blowing bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> Callback. Yeah. It wouldn't be much of a reality TV show. It would be more like one of those movies that JP was talking about where nothing happens. Yeah. Like, um, oh, wait, isn't, like isn't there another reality time? show like that? It's called like Terrace House. Oh, but yeah. that one is more of like a dating one. Unless you're trying to oh, imply something. Oh, what? Oh, okay. Ew, I'm not trying to date cooties, around here. JP, yeah. uh, oh, on that note, then, I'd probably, um, I'd probably be the character living in the attic. Like, I just want to like... <laughs> Like I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to oh, stay no. inside. You were artiste possessed by yeah. your craft. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I would be in my bedroom. Yeah. No, oh, no. I would purposely want to start drama with Lee. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're, we're, we're the, we're, we have the relationship where it's like, oh, we've been friends before we got into the house, but the house creates drama. And we're dun, dun. Dun, dun. I'm going to vote you out first. Yeah. I'll be a recurring character. Um, yeah, I wouldn't watch it. Not gonna lie. <laughs> and any of us actually cook, or would it just be like a reality TV show where no one knows how to cook? Oh, Lee can, can we all, cook. Like, try for a recipe. Lee cooks. Lee, cook. Lee can cook. She makes, cooks. She makes gourmet <laughs> stuff, man. No. Really? Yes, you do. Homemade I have food. I, I have photos. <laughs> all right, Lee's the cook. Yeah, I, I think. At most, I can only cook like fried rice. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, it. That's all right. Yeah, not a lot of people fly. can make fried rice. It's the most versatile dish. Like you just like throw <laughs> stuff in. Yeah, it could be mm. batteries. You know, aluminum. <laughs> It'll taste good. Just put some soy sauce in there. It works. I find it so funny when like people who don't know the significance of or the lack of the significance of fried rice treat it like some sort of sacred Asian dish that gets passed down <laughs> from generation to generation. <laughs> this is my father's special recipe. He uses a special type of sauce. No, it's literally whatever the heck is in the fridge. Like yeah. no one cares. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just left. Over. It's yep. just, that's it. 
It's just rice. Yeah, yeah it's just rice with random anything. <laughs> Batteries, yeah. as, as JP said. Not that you should put in bed. Yeah, not that we're, we don't. We're, <laughs> we do oh. not condone putting batteries in your fried rice. Exactly. Bad idea. Exactly. Uh, let's not do that again. Again. <laughs> again. Again. Uh, <laughs> again. Maybe, maybe, maybe we can't live in a house together or something. Maybe I stand corrected. Somebody, we we're gonna get like battery poisoning or something. I'm scared now. I told you, I'm the recurring character. <laughs> yeah, you just pop it every now and then and you say, I'm gonna spoil something. I don't care, I'm just gonna spoil it. <laughs> and everyone yeah. goes, no, Aaron. No, don't spoil it. And then you spoil it. And everyone yeah. goes, no, Aaron. And then like the editing, like they just like cut or just bleep out everything he's saying. It's just our facial expressions like, no. Or me just while I was about to spoil the new Doctor Strange movie that helped beep, beep, beep. Yeah, she beep. Exactly. Yes, exactly. We like a menace to our audience who wouldn't watch our reality TV show. They'll just see his face and they're like, this man's going to spoil something. Quick, <laughs> change the channel or something. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to live in a house. You guys, no offense. <laughs> Yes, my plan worked. <laughs> We're not going to be in this reality TV show. But yeah, we just went on like down a little reality TV hole. And again, as EP, I will one day force everyone to be reality TV show fans one way or another. <laughs> I can see everyone shaking their heads and it will never happen. But anyways, for our listeners out there who, you know... Maybe you are also a reality TV show enthusiast. Maybe you want to check out like Bling Empire or you're just like everyone else in this studio who um, doesn't appreciate how trash, but beautiful trash reality TV can be. Either way, let us know all your thoughts to Asian Pop Nation, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, podcasts. We're there as well. And yeah. Hey, you're listening to Asian Pop Nation here with Lisha plus the rest of our APN team, who you'll be hearing a little bit later after we go through the songs we just played. First coming from Korean artist Need to Pray, we have the song titled Don't Worry, which is quite a fun, retro, almost jazzy kind of track. We then paired that song with a new single coming from the one and only Umi called Moonlit Room, before ending our trio with another new single from Filipino folk pop slash pop rock band called Ben Ben. Oh, Ben and Ben with their song titled Paningning Digan Kita. You know, speaking of the Philippines, our next topic tonight is about this brand new movie trailer that was released earlier this month for the movie called Easter Sunday. It is said to be a comedy movie starring Filipino-American comedian Joe Koi and is directed by Jay Chandran Shikar. We have all the details as well as our thoughts of the trailer for this new movie, which is going to be released in August this year. So let's just roll the tape right now. Akuya, kumusta ka? I can't believe this. I think I can respond back to you. All I know is English. But anyway, why why are you speaking to me in a uh, Visaya? Um, well, John Paul, um, funny you mentioned that because uh, we are getting our own Filipino American film. What? what does that mean? <laughs> We're finally getting the representation we deserve. Okay. You know. We are going to be getting a film called Easter Sunday, starring Filipino-American comedian Jokoy, uh, and it's coming out um, soon. But the trailer was recently released, 
Uh-huh. So we're all talking about it. Um, at least every single Filipino Facebook group that I'm a part of. Oh yeah. Has every Filipino group chat I'm a part yeah, of. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So anyway, it follows Joe Valencia, I believe is Joe Coy's character. And he's returning home for an Easter celebration with his riotous, bickering, eating, drinking, laughing, loving family in this love letter to the Filipino American community. For those who watched the trailer, um, it's, going to be some fun family drama um some car chases some run-ins with some gangs the typical stuff that happens on an easter sunday <laughs> and confirm but funnily enough it's not going to be released on easter sunday um it'll be coming out i think in august 5 but it also stars some fun comedians that we all know and love like jimmy o yang um with from the best romance movie in history that we talked about a while ago called love hard yeah. <laughs> if you want to know more about what we thought about the film, um, check out our review. <laughs> but there's also Tiffany Haddish, who in the trailer is shown to be a local police woman who has some romantic history with Joe Valencia. Ooh. And her name is Vanessa. So, yeah, there's just scenes in the trailer that show the comedic scenes that happen in a fellow Filipino family, um, particularly the rivalry between the teachers, Joe's mother, and also his Tia Teresa. And there's also Ava Nebulzada, yes, Broadway queen, was in Miss Saigon and um, Hadestown. So, yeah, a lot to look forward to. Um, but, yeah, for those who've seen the trailer, thoughts, questions. It's very Filipino. I like it. It's so chaotic. Well, what about it makes it Filipino? What, the, like, the Balik Bayan box? <laughs> uh, yeah, the Balik Bayan box. Like, as soon like the, as soon as I saw the Balik Bayan box, like, in the background of the shot, I knew this was, like, authentic, you know? Like, this is... <laughs> This is actually like a Filipino family. I mean, yeah. for those from other Asian cultures, it's a common to like send a box back to your family when you go visit. You just like pack all these snacks. Yeah, I'm sure there's other names for it, but like yes. <laughs> clothes, yeah. everything under the sun. Yeah. Is it like when you send back with your relatives who are returning to their home country? Yeah. Do you ever get roped in? Like maybe a neighbor of yours is like, hey, you're visiting this town. Can you return and give this to my family members? Not quite. We always send them things like milk powder, um, cheese. Uh-huh. Mostly milk powder. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I sent, I think last time we sent stuff over, sent my aunt underwear because she, when she came over to Australia, she really liked the underwear here. It was better really? <laughs> oh, yeah. And so, like, okay, fair enough. Yeah, so I'm not sure, JP, do you feel like this is an accurate depiction? Is this the representation you've been looking for? Well, you see, as a Chinese-Canadian woman, <laughs> oh my um, gosh. it's a bit hard to know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I don't know. The movie's not out yet. I can't make solid judgments on it. But uh, in terms of what I've seen in the trailer, yeah, I can tell these guys are Filipino. Like, there's no doubting it. Like, I've seen many... Asians in the past, and this is without a doubt a Filipino family. Like, first off, there's so many of them. Oh my god, so many big family. Um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be fun. I probably won't see it in cinemas, to be honest. It seems like one of those movies that you remember, like offhand, a couple months from now. It's like, oh yeah, that came out. Do you want to watch yeah. it, Mom and Dad? And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> That's yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, on yeah. So seems like it'll be a fun ride, but a chill one with a couple snacks. Um, any thoughts from the rest of the team? How are they able to drive that car reversely drift? <laughs> Who knows? 
Because I have no clue how anyone in the Philippines would learn how to drive with the amount of traffic that's there. Like, <laughs> no, I'm saying the way they were driving the car and then when they're drifting it, it looks like they're doing a reverse drift. It was like, ah, uh, what's the right way? Like from the scene before, wait, while they're doing a, like, it looks like if they weren't doing a drift, it look, ah, jeez. If they're gonna do, well, a, I guess that just supports Zenia's statement that no one in the Philippines knows how to drive. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think right. it's just more it's... like we're stuck in traffic all the time. How would we learn how to drift? Right, yeah. But I guess Filipino Americans maybe more Do highways. Learn how to drift isn't that something just you accidentally when you like press too hard on the accelerator and turn too hard on the steering wheel at the same time? Yeah, that's true. I don't believe Jeremy has just meant to be a race car yet, so. driver. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, well, it's a bad name. Yeah, it what? doesn't really compel you to watch. <laughs> so yeah, I wish that they named it something else. Something more Filipino with this Filipino yeah, exactly. words in it. Yeah, but I feel like that would alienate the audience. No, stop that, man. You gotta <laughs> draw them in. You gotta bait them. You know, you gotta go, hey, look at this weird word in the title. Oh, I wonder what this is. Lie to them. Lie it to should them. be like, it's more fun with the Valencias. You know, like, it's more fun in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, <laughs> oh, Zenia, they should hire you. Oh my God. Yeah, but I feel like it's a niche thing. It's like only those who've seen all of the Filipino tourist ads would be like, oh, yeah. I, I mean, see. they said it's like a love letter to like the Filipino American community. So, I, yeah, I don't know. They could like just fit into it. Yeah, I was just wondering, um, as a non-Filipino myself, but neighboring, neighboring sibling. Hello, yeah. <laughs> hello, hello, <Asia. laughs> hello, from Malaysia here. I was just wondering, is okay? Is Easter Sunday actually really like it's a big thing in like Filipino culture and stuff? I'm pretty sure it is. Filipinos, we're pretty Catholic. Mm-hmm. Like it's a pretty big um yeah i don't know super super catholic they they even have um their own little catholic festival i forgot what it's called like the santo nino oh, sinolog? yeah sinolog yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's mm-hmm. you should go to mm-hmm. one one day it's, it's like it's a full-on yeah it's a really big festival they have like this little like statue of like infant jesus and they're like parading it it's like it's pretty festive uh that would be it'd be a fun discussion for like another time but yeah, yeah sure. i feel like it's easter sunday um easter tends to be pretty big you know mm. like midnight mass mm-hmm. mass every hour of yeah, the day yeah, lots um, of i think my mom used to it might be quite common but you'd like fast mm. for um a while until like the day that jesus is resurrected or something like yeah, that. yeah 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 you eat massive feast till the family comes over yeah it's mainly like the traditions i think um yeah, but if anyone else has any thoughts about Easter Sunday, you can always let us know. Asian Pop Nation, um, any Easter eggs that we might have missed um, uh, that they've put in, you know, so that only people who are sort of Filipino or Filipino-American can kind of understand. We'd love to hear them. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. Welcome to Asian Palm Nation, to our new listeners tuning into our show right now, and welcome back to our other listeners who have been listening for quite a while now. We just finished playing three songs, which we shall go through together, as we first played an upbeat hip-hop track coming from Kum Chan, Popo J, and Eden Wang, with their song titled Ge, or Bro in English. We then played the latest comeback track from K-pop male group Tomorrow by Together or TXT, whichever way you call them, with their song called Good Boy Gone Bad, which comes from their new EP Minisode 2, Thursday's Child. We then played a track coming from Korean female artist Kokona with her song called Amu Redo, 
I would argue that all three of these songs could definitely get you either bopping your head along or even dancing around, but this next story we have tonight might just expose the true power of dancing to the extent that I don't think anyone would expect at all. I don't want to spoil too much about this upcoming story involving slightly terrifying things coming from SM Entertainment's building, so let's have Tracy take it away. In January of this year, the fire department was called to investigate reports of tremors at a 49-story skyscraper in Songsudong, Seoul. The building, known as the Seoul Acroforest, is currently leased out to several companies including Hyundai and SM Entertainment, home to a bunch of K-pop groups including Red Velvet, which Leisha loves, um, EXO, which Leisha loves, NCT, which... I see why this topic would ended up being on tonight's discussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just maybe, maybe this has something to do with SM Entertainment being there. Anyway, witness reports from employees working in the building detailed a series of worrying indicators, including tremors, water leaks in the ceiling, loud wind sounds, and windows cracking in the building. This resulted in the building owners requesting a formal structural analysis of the building to the Architectural Institute of Korea, the AIK for short. The investigation team took approximately two months to examine the issue before concluding that the tremors were due to increased amplitudes caused by concentrated rhythmic group movement. Now, you might be thinking, what is this mumbo jumbo? This doesn't really make any sense. And then you think about the fact that SM Entertainment currently has its practice rooms for its artists located on the ninth and 10th floors of the building. And the picture starts to come to focus a bit more. Actually, wait, I should probably ask you guys, what do you think caused the tremors? Ghosts. And ghosts. Structural foundation. Structural foundation, like sinking due to like poor soil underneath. You like a sinkhole, I'm not sure. <laughs> like a sinkhole suddenly opening up, like in an anime. Yes, a black hole, I'm not sure. <laughs> a black hole. It's a good theory. There was jet fuel on the steel beams. <laughs> uh, I mean, Tetarask from the center of the earth came alive, I don't know. <laughs> Yes, basically, um, unfortunately, the, the cause of the incident, as concluded by the investigation team, found that it wasn't of supernatural origin, unfortunately. Um, it was actually caused by SM Entertainment artists or trainees performing synchronized choreography, which caused a resonance effect throughout the building. So like a structural resonance effect throughout the building. There are no concerns involving safety or related to the architectural design or construction methods. So I guess that rules out JP's theory that there was jet fuel in the steel beams. Um, Overall, the building is stable. However, we recommend installing devices which can control large vibrations. So it turned out to be the K-pop all along. The K-pop was destabilizing yeah, the building. You're telling me they partied so hard that the building <laughs> almost like exploded. Yes. Oh my god. That's, exactly That's how you know they're practicing hard. I was looking at this on Reddit and there were some structural engineers mm -hmm. that were talking about it. I'm not a structural engineer, so I don't really know what's going on. 
But essentially, the main thing I get from it is that every single structural element, like say a floor, has like specific frequencies that they tend yeah, to yeah, vibrate yeah. at. Uh-huh. So if you drop something on the floor, it kind of vibrates, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like a specific frequency. Well, apparently, the specific frequency of the structural elements of the building was sort of coinciding somehow with rhythmic movements of the groups performing their choreography. Really? So was that exactly the right BPM? Damn. Spaced exactly the right space apart to cause tremors all throughout the building. So wow, the dancers and the building became as one. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, they call it the natural frequency of the structure. Yeah. So yeah, they were yeah. unwittingly in sync with the building's natural frequency. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, like, I, I, actually, I'm wondering, can you actually dance so hard that like a building, you know, tumbles? Like, if they had enough people. I mean, buildings are weird things. Like really small effects can cause really huge damage to a building. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what's it called? There was once like a building in the UK that like completely collapsed because one room exploded. It blew out one tiny wall on like mm. near the top floor, and that caused like a progressive collapse of all the floors below it. Really, like so a even domino though it was thing. quite yeah, it was it caused a domino effect. So I think that's the sort of thing that can happen here. Like structural engineering is such a weird field. It has nothing to do with <laughs> anything we talk about on this show, <laughs> um, and none of us are experts in it. But you know, if you dance too hard, your building might fall down. I mean, so if you fun- need to demolish a building, maybe just get a bunch of K-pop dancers in it and then... <laughs> you just sacrifice them. <laughs> <in> the <laughs> sacrifice them. I haven't uh, thought about how they get out there. <laughs> so maybe I'll think about that a bit more. Death yeah. by building demolition. Xenia's got some radical ideas. Yeah, right? Xenia, just That's say you hate K-pop grim. idols, man. Oh, just wow. just say the- <laughs> oh they just God. have such power. I'm in awe. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-huh. It's very grim. Yes. And then you will get ghost stories in the building that's yes, that there you go. Oh, oh my god. Wow. Then you can blame it on the ghosts. Oh. The only real proper culprit behind any structural fault in a building, clearly. Very true. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's the story of how a bunch of very light, very small people dancing in unison on the ninth and tenth stories of a building um caused tremors to be felt throughout the whole thing. Interesting structural engineering diversion on today's episode of APN. Yeah. If you're interested in structural engineering of um South Korean entertainment company buildings, please let us know on Asian Pop Nation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This is Asian Pop Nation here on Sin, where we love to not only talk about the latest Asian pop culture content and more, but also play a whole bunch of brand new Asian music across the globe, just like these three songs we just played earlier. First coming from Thai Italian artist Sylvie, we have her romantic and heartwarming new single titled Please. We also played the song titled Witches from Taiwanese math rock band called Elephant Jump. Fun fact, the song lyrics in particular are taken from Shakespeare's Macbeth, plus their newest album called Dreams gets a stamp of approval from us here on APN. 
We lastly played this fun little track coming from Korean female artists Alike featuring Bini called Salgum. So as I'm sure you're familiar with now, we love to cover brand new Asian content through our song selections each week and our topics. But this time around, there were just quite a handful of Asian American movie news that we kind of decided to mash them all up together and talk about them all in one big group discussion. So come join the APN team in our little unofficial movie news corner right now. So there's actually been quite a handful of news happening, especially around like the Asian American film space this month. Like we discussed a little bit earlier in the show about a new movie coming soon, which focuses on a Filipino American family on Easter Sunday. But this time we're going to do a little bit more of like a rapid fire segment of just more miscellaneous movie news. Um, and I guess I will start it out with this news that Crazy Rich Asians is going to have a spinoff movie happening. The spinoff is set to follow Gemma Chong's character, Astrid, and her romance with Charlie, who is played by Harry Shum Jr. If you need like a minor recap back in the end of the first movie, um, there was like that little one second shot where they're at like, um, where... What is it? Oh yeah, it was like an engagement party at the end, and then Astrid was there sitting alone in the bar. She turns and she sees, ooh, mysterious character. What's that? That's the actor Harry Shum Jr. Um, <laughs> and then they just share like a little knowing glance, and then bam, the movie ends. Yeah, so that is what we're going off from. So all the news that we kind of have is that um, people theorizing that if the if the spinoff follows one of like Kevin Kwan's books, then they will like tell pretty much the origin story of this new couple. They were previously engaged before Astrid's parents broke them off um, with Charlie actually being deemed as Astrid's first love back in the books. And yeah, the only other confirmed news there is around is that John and Chu will be producing the spinoff, but there'll also be a new edition of Jason Kim in the writing team. Apparently he is currently producing a feature adaptation of the novel Crying in H-Mart. I still need to read it. It's literally in my like little shelf at the moment of books I need to read. But yes, Crying in H-Mart by Japanese Breakfast lead singer Michelle Zanu. And plus, he's also having his own musical debuting in Broadway called K-Pop, which... Yeah, speaking of K-pop, that seems to be a common thread in today's this week's news stories, as Jason Pack is reported to be making his directorial directorial debut with a dramatic comedy film called K-Pops with an exclamation mark. <laughs> Never forget it. Oh my god, <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Um, Anderson Pack, best known, I think, for being one half of Silk Sonic along with Bruno Mars, and also for being. Just a really good solo musician in his own right. He is going to be doing this new show, um, doing this new movie with his son. They're both going to be starring in it. He's going to be playing a washed up songwriter who goes to Korea to write for K-pop groups. And his son is going to be playing a member of a K-pop idol boy band who is like his long lost son. And it's going to be this big dramatic father-son story, but with added K-pop um, <laughs> in it. So, you know, it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, Anderson Pack famously said that, you know, his son dances like Michael Jackson. Huh. No, I don't get that <laughs> reference. It's like the XXL freshman freestyle. Everyone clapped him for it. But it was a like a really dud line. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, the movie was developed with Dumbfound Dead, which is the most well-known Asian-American rapper, probably, and one of the more well-known like Asian American 
intelligent cultural cultural icon podcast host he 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 has a podcast it's pretty cool and he's just like seems to be like a cool man he was a battle rapper uh dumbfounded um and dumbfounded says the story celebrates black and asian culture through the love of music and with anderson pack himself commenting that this movie serves as a reflection on his own personal experience learning about his korean heritage um because as i've said before anderson pack is one quarter korean his mum, i think yeah i think his mum. Uh, he, one of his grandparents is like a, a Korean War adoptee. So essentially, someone went to war, found an orphan child, and brought them back to America. Um, yeah. People may or may not know of the legend James Hong, who is what now 93, did you say, Alicia? 93 years old. And after featuring in over 650 film and TV credits, uh, is has now gotten a star on the Hollywood's Walk of Fame. Uh, this actually started after a crowdfunding campaign back in 2020, which was organized by fellow actor uh, Daniel Day Kim. After lots of campaigning, James Hong finally received his star uh, on May 10th. So his ceremony featured an appearance from Jamie Lee Curtis. For those who have seen everything everywhere all at once, you will recognize her as the um, auditor. <laughs> um, but yeah, she came and said some very touching words about how it was about time. I've removed an expletive there. Um, and also uh, there was a traditional Chinese lion dance and martial arts performance, which uh, James Hong was really into. Uh, <laughs> and fans in person online rejoiced after this long overdue moment. So people who may not know about him he was in blade runner um as the guy who made the eyes i believe for the androids um perhaps you put more popularly know him as um poe's dad i forgot his name the duck <laughs> in kung fu panda um is it ping no yeah ping ping yes and also um chifu i think from milan the emperor's um assistant yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and he's also been featured and had appearances in quite a few um, sitcoms, mainly in traditional Asian roles. But he's done quite a lot of work as well in establishing um, one of the few um, Asian American like theater groups, supporting a lot of up and coming writers and directors who have now made it quite big in Hollywood. Um, so he helped establish that, and yeah, really made sure that a lot of marginalized Asian voices who finally get the chance to be heard through a lot of his hard work in the industry. So yeah, after six decades into his career, he is actually the oldest person ever to receive a star on the Walk of Fame. But sadly, he joins only 19 other Asian talents on the Walk of Fame. And for reference, there are 2,723 stars at the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So a long way to go, but it's a start. Um, I mean, if there's anyone else that any other asian stars that we feel deserve a star in the um hollywood walk of fame does jackie uh, chan have one yeah yeah okay i assume so that would be a crime if he did bruce lee Anzema as well oh of course bruce lee bruce lee also has one Anzema does have one. Huh, okay so composers actors is this specifically hollywood only they have to like have made like i i would presume like more, a massive impact in the industry right yeah but more in like i guess they view it more like in the hollywood lens yeah 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 okay. yeah okay hmm who else yeah michelle yo <laughs> yeah, needs one probably did we start a petition 
We need one. Now let's we be like Asian pop nation. Asian pop that put yeah. us on the line. <laughs> oh yeah, my God. just collectively. Uh, Tony Leung. I don't know. Is he? Does he do much? He didn't really make it to Hollywood. No. Uh, like, yep. was, was that only Hollywood film Shang Chi? Or yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's mainly just been dabbling in um, Hong Kong. Mm, okay. Dabbling. Dabbling. Dabbing. Oh, like, <laughs> more like Ooh, owning no. it. <laughs> Dribbling. Dribbling. <laughs> on the side, you know, he's he's actually like an accountant. Sometimes he acts. Sometimes yeah. he like he's in the Wonka Wai movie. That's just Alvin and the Chipmunks thing. have a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Why they don't they don't even exist? Just um, I found one. He's a, I think he's like quite an old actor. So Toshiro Mif. Fune, if that's how you say his yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah, he was um I'm pretty sure that guy he was in Seven Samurai. Uh, and a bunch of other classic. You are correct. Yeah, Yojimbo. Yeah, dude, he's pretty cool. Like as whenever you think about like classic Japanese cinema, like around that era, he always comes up at one point or another. He's very like he's very memorable. Somewhere this article says Godzilla has won, but I refuse. Uh, to actually uh, that okay, well, okay. So <laughs> from what I'm gathering here, with all these random names that are coming up, when it comes to the Hall of Fame, it's just like it's not just acting. It's just like uh, whatever. you are famous. If you are famous, you go there. <laughs> like famous, but purely in Hollywood. Ugh. <sighs> um. But yeah, I mean, we're still recording. So if there's anyone that you think deserves to be on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Let us know um, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at APN. And yes, Leisha Godzilla does have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Nice. Be a big star. Very. That's my yeah. Asian icon. Was he there right to there. accept it? Is the question. Oh. <laughs> Hello to the Night Owl listeners here on Asian Pop Nation. It's your fellow Night Owl Leisha here, bringing you all the latest. Asian pop culture news and music, of course. We first played the debut single from a new Japanese band called Samodo with the song titled Suteki. We also played a new single from Taiwanese band Sunset Roller Coaster called Jinye Zoude Lao Sao, which translates to Complaints of a Taurus. And our final song comes from Depp featuring Ashley Alicia and Hayden with their song titled Boyhood. It is unfortunately the time where we must say goodbye to each other as we have reached the end of our show tonight. But let's have a little recap of what our APN team talked about tonight. We first had another May birthday celebration with JP's birthday happening later this month. So in APN fashion, he shared three of his own song picks. We also had an incredible interview by the one and only Korean-Canadian female artist Luna Lee, where Lee and myself talked to her about her latest debut EP, Duality, and more questions about her current career journey. P.S. She is so lovely. Do listen to her discography. It's just, it's amazing. We also had heaps of Asian-American movie news, from the new trailer of Easter Sunday to the Crazy Rich Asian spin-off announcement, Anderson Pack's tutorial debut, and James Hong finally getting a Hollywood Walk of Fame star. 
And of course, we have so much more topics in between, but you're just gonna have to go back to listen to our podcast to find out what they were. But anyways, thank you so much for joining not just myself, but also our team tonight of Xenia, Tracy, Lee, JP, and Aaron. And as a suitable farewell song, we will now play this new track coming from Korean female artist Kumin called One Last Time. Remember, you can always tune into Asian Pop Nation every Tuesday at 8pm onwards right here on Sin. And for bonus content, you can always follow us at Asian Pop Nation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And listen to our Asian Pop Nation podcast available anywhere you stream your podcasts. Good night, everyone.